0: The Bible is full of stories of life changing encounters. Encounters that have changed people forever. We read the story of Matthew who was behind a I assume he was behind a, a booth and encountered Jesus and in a moment his whole life radically changed. That night he was inviting Jesus to a meal, having a party with him and celebrating his new life. We we read the story of Saul who radically experienced the Holy Spirit and and saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, on the road to Damascus. Zacchaeus, who was too small to see through the crowd, so he climbed a tree. And in an instant after experiencing Jesus at his home, his whole life was radically changed. He went from being a hated and despised tax collector to a generous giver. The Samaritan woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood, every time somebody has an encounter with Jesus, their life is radically changed. And God wants you to know that He wants that for you. But as I said, He doesn't want it just in a moment. He wants you to position yourself so that you can live a life of continual ongoing encounters with His power and with His presence. Because we need to operate in that zone so that we can be effective in what He's called us to do. We can't live in a weekend we can use it to change us and to shift something and to break off something so that we can then go in the direction that he wants us to go but we can't camp there and to be honest last weekend was probably the most impactful weekend of any weekend i've ever had in any church service since i was well since i was born i'm still trying to process it but i i also really understand that that i can't just experience it and do nothing that it's about actually what, what changes in me? What changes in us as a family? What do I need to do differently so that becomes the norm and not just once every 52 years? Peter, when he was up on the, the Mount of Transfiguration, when, when he saw Jesus and, and Moses and Elijah, uh, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here and we're going to camp here. We're going to build a tent. And as he was saying it, God interrupted and said, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And of course, we know that they ended up not camping there. They had a moment they had an experience, but they didn't stay there. And that's what this word is all about. Um, the, The title of my message this morning is simply A Life of Encounter. I could have named it, or I could have called it Tents and Altars, because we have these moments of experiences, like they had in the Old Testament, where they would pitch the tent, uh, and they would all meet and the presence of God would come down and they would go away and they would do whatever they knew God was telling them to do and they would be changed as a result of that experience. But we live in the New Testament and we can have ongoing encounters with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's possible, but we need to understand that we need to do something in order to position ourselves. We need to build altars that are more permanent, that are more... Um, you know, uh, easily return to rather than just tents that come up there for a moment and then we pack them down and then we go to the next thing. So how do we position ourselves for a life of encounter? This morning we're going to look at four ways that we can position ourselves. So you need to understand that with Pastor Chris, every sermon had three amazing points. And as I was preparing this week, I I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you've got four. He had three, but you got four. I usually only have three, but I just thought there's four in this, so we're going to do four. Four ways we can position ourselves for lives of ongoing encounter. The truth is that none of us can force God to do anything. We cannot make him come in our time frame, in our way. He shows up when he wants, how he wants. It's not like getting a... A lamp out and saying, well, if I rub the lamp, the genie will appear and God will be there. And... But there is a biblical principle about positioning ourselves and doing things that allow space for God to move and God to come and, and, and be in the space that we create. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The, the, the main text we're going to open is in Matthew. So you can open your Bibles, turn them on to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read from 29 to 38 and then we're going to look at four ways. we can position ourselves for ongoing encounter reading from verse 29 this is the new international version jesus left there and went along the sea of galilee then he went up to a mountainside and sat down great crowds came to him bringing the lame the blind the crippled the mute and many others and laid them at his feet and he healed them The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do we have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish and he gave thanks and he broke them and he gave them to the disciples and they in turn to the people and all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over and the number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides Women and children. So probably a crowd of 10,000. How do we position ourselves for a life of encounter? Point number one. We hunger for his presence. It's already been spoken about this morning. I don't know many times we've heard the word hunger. But hunger will make you do things that you would not normally do and it will send you to places that you would not normally go. If we read in this text, it says that Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up to the mountain, and he sat down there. Jesus was often in mountains and deserts, and he sat there and he waited for the hungry ones to reveal themselves and to come to him. So often Jesus purposely puts himself in positions of inconvenience because he wants to see how hungry you are to pursue him to wherever he is. Now, that's not to say that he won't come to you. But we get very busy and we want Jesus to come to us in our comfortable place. And this story says that the comfortable stayed in, in, in Galilee and didn't experience the miracles of what happened on the mountain. The opposite of hunger is, is convenience, really. Really? And as Western Christians, we live in a very comfortable society where, to be honest, everything we need, we can get without relying on Jesus. Food, homes, uh, transport, jobs. There are many places in the world where they have such a hunger for the things of God because they need God to show up just to be able to get their next meal. Matthew fifteen thirty says, And great crowds came to him, bringing them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others... And they put them at his feet and he healed them. So Jesus was far away from Galilee, up the top of a mountain. And those that came to him were the blind, the crippled, the lame, the diseased. These people said, we don't care where Jesus is, we are going to go find him because we are hungry for what he can do in us. Who didn't see Jesus? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious elite that said, well, we'll wait till he gets back and we'll maybe meet him in the temple, or we'll wait till he's on our turf. But the blind, the mute, can you imagine the, the 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 diseased and the disabled saying, how far away is he? Five miles. I don't care, we'll go five miles. We'll go 100 miles if it means we can ex- encounter a life-changing moment with Jesus. We have to be hungry, because when you're hungry, nothing is the same. The desperate and the hungry amongst us will find an encounter with Jesus on an ongoing basis when you're hungry all of a sudden the Netflix series that you're halfway through doesn't actually seem that exciting when you're hungry you'll find an hour in the day maybe earlier to get up and just spend some time with Jesus when you're hungry the podcasts and the YouTube videos don't satisfy anymore you actually want the word of God when you're hungry devotion starts to take precedence over attraction when you're hungry, you'll climb a tree like Zacchaeus did. You'll ask your friends to break a hole in the roof to lower you down. You'll push through the crowds just to be able to hold the edge of his garment, knowing that one encounter with Jesus can change your whole life. But you've got to be hungry. And the truth is, so many of us are not hungry because we snack. We snack on things that maybe in the moment feel good but are not satisfying us. If you want to be healthy physically, don't snack on rubbish all day long because you won't eat your meat and three veg. You, you won't hunger for the things that actually sustain you. You'll just be unhealthy and probably be bigger than what you want to be because it's not what you're meant to feed on. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. He also said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And my question this morning is, how hungry are you? Really? How hungry are you for an encounter, an ongoing encounter with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus that shows up every day, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're at school. What do you need to do different to say, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to chase after him. Even though it may not be convenient, I'm going to chase after him. I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to let my hunger do things that I normally wouldn't do. If we want to live a life of encounter, we have to hunger for his presence. Just like those who walked up a mountain knowing that when they were there, God was going to show up and Jesus was going to do something amazing in their life. Point number two, we have to humbly surrender. We have to hunger for his presence. We have to humbly surrender. Let's read verse 30. As great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, they put them at his feet and he healed them. Who were the ones who got healed in this story? The ones who humbled themselves at his feet they didn't get offended that he was in the desert or up on a mountain or that they had to walk so far or that it took them 6 hours with crutches to get there they didn't say why why aren't you in the city why are you up here why do i have to come all the way up the mountain to encounter you they just knew that by being there and by humbling themselves and surrendering and laying at his feet they were going to encounter him and the truth is, if you don't think you need Jesus, you're not going to follow him up a mountain. That's the truth. It's very quiet. We okay? We okay? I didn't do what Chris did, which is say, I'm Mexican and I need some feedback. But I'm Australian and I want to hear your voices. Come on. Let's go. Anyone Anyone hungry in the room this morning? Yeah. Too, too right. I reckon this is one of the the most challenging things for us as as wealthy, healthy Western Christians, is do we really understand what it means to humbly surrender? Do we really understand what it means to say, you know what, I can't do this? Because the world will say, you can do this, especially in Western culture. It's like we are constantly being told that the answer is within us. That all we need is ourselves. That relying on someone else or something else is weak and you should never ever do that. But the truth is we all yearn for peace and guidance and, and, and we constantly choose pathways to live a, a life of purpose and fulfillment. Whether it be jobs or careers or our bank balance or our hobbies, we find things that we think will satisfy us. But at some point on that journey, we, we also realize that there are limitations to our own ability, understanding and power? How many CEOs get to the very top and have everything that the world could offer them only to realise that the answer isn't there? How many rock stars sell millions of albums and die lonely deaths on their own saying that didn't satisfy In surrendering, we, we, we find true freedom. And can I encourage you that surrender will allow you just to rest and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. It'll, it'll cause your prayer life to go to different levels. As you say, without you, I will not be satisfied. Without you, I can't do this. Because we all think we can until we get to a moment where we realize that we can't. There's a great quote from Gene Kerry that says, I wish everybody in the world would have all their dreams realized as quickly as possible, because only then will they know that it's not in having your dreams realized that you are fulfilled. In surrendering, in saying humbly, God, I'm going to just put myself at your feet. It's there that we find a peace that passes understanding. Knowing that we are not alone in navigating the the, the challenges and the intricacies of life. Humility positions us for ongoing encounters with God because we're basically saying, I, I don't need to understand. I just need to bow down. I don't need to know why he wasn't where I thought he would be. I just need to trust that by... Humbly surrendering, he will show up. I just need to know that when I surrender, he's with me. And can I tell you that encountering Jesus takes time. It doesn't take time in that we have to work at it. But so many of us don't just sit and and wait and make space for him to, to speak to us and for him to to do something in our life. We will encounter him afresh, ongoing in our life, when we learn just to sit at his feet above all else. And can I ask you and challenge you, and I'm challenging myself, what parts of our life aren't really necessary that we could just say, you know what, I don't actually need that. I don't need to sit for four hours and watch the football again when I know that my team's already in the finals. I don't need to do that. I could be doing other things. Now, I'm not saying get rid of everything in your life, but, but the enemy's pretty clever. He doesn't come to you and say, give up your faith. He just says, what's something fun we could do this afternoon? He just slowly works away until your life is so full of other things that actually aren't satisfying, that aren't allowing you to just to sit and rest and encounter him afresh. So we get really busy doing even good things and Christian things, but we don't encounter him afresh. And then we, we get dry and then we hang out and then we're like, oh, church isn't doing it for me anymore. Church was never meant to do it for you. Even encounter w- weekends, there they may be a moment where something shifts and breaks, but don't spend your next 12 months living off last weekend. It's not going to work. We all need to just sit at his feet at his presence, in his presence. We need to pray, we need to humble ourselves and say, I can't do this without you. We read it in Second Chronicles, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them and I will hear their land. We need to hunger for his presence. We need to humbly surrender. And the third point, which... It's really a, an ongoing point of this one, which, which is we need to linger longer. We need to linger longer. Matthew fifteen thirty two. we keep reading the story. Jesus called his disciples and he said to them, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. After they got healed, what did they do? Did they say, thank you, Jesus, and head back? No, they stayed. They lingered. Three days ago, this was the most disease-ridden group in all of Israel. And now they are the healthiest group in all of Israel, worshipping and shouting out, glorify the God of Israel. See, once they got their healing, they didn't leave. They lingered. They stayed because encountering the ongoing presence of Jesus was something they didn't want to leave. This became a 10,000 person worship service on the top of a mountain. So many of us go to God and then two things happen. We either get what we ask for and we go, thank you, Lord, and we move on and keep, keep on our busy way. Or we go to God and we ask something and then if he doesn't give it to us in the instant, we're like, oh, well, that didn't work and we try something else. But these people teach us an amazing lesson. We have to learn to linger. We have to know that by, by positioning ourselves just to, to be, Jesus will show up. The Holy Spirit will invade the spaces that we create for him. The person who sees Jesus' presence as the best way to spend their time is the very person God loves to encounter the most. And in Western society, we are so outcome-based and so driven and so time pressured You see, one of the things that I noticed in Cambodia, and for those on the team, you'll, con- you'll confer, you'll, you'll, whatever that word is. You what? Concur. Thank you. You'll concur. So many of the Cambodians just enjoy being. They're, they're, they just sort of sit, and when you ask, what are they doing? The answer is nothing. They're just, they're they're not so crazily busy going somewhere and doing something and finishing. And, you know, the traffic in Phnom Penh is the most insane traffic I've ever seen. Imagine a thousand cars coming this way, a thousand cars coming that way, and motorcycles and and mopeds and everything else. Not one beep of the horn. They just find a way. They wait when they need to wait, and they find a way to, to get through. And they just go about... But us in the Western world, we're like, no, 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 we're on a mission. We've got to get there. We've got a time. We've got, a, you know, we've got projects to meet and things to do. And, and that is countercultural to what God wants us to do, which is sometimes just to experience him. See, so often encounter is not about what we can get from God. It's just about being with him. Just experiencing his love afresh and spending time with him. You know, when, when I have interns sometimes, I say, how's your prayer life? They say, oh, it's going okay. And I said, well, why don't you just learn to just spend time in his presence? Not, not even pray for anything. Just put on some Christian soaking music or wh- whatever might help distract you from saying I've got to do something else and just wait on him. Just linger longer. And you're saying, oh, I just can't give up all my time and, and worship Jesus 24-7. That's unrealistic. And that's probably true. Maybe. I don't know. We, we could risk it and just see if God does what he says in his word, which is put him first and he'll... Maybe not. But what can we change? What can we shift? What can we remove in order to have more time with him? You see, they stayed long after it made sense. They stayed to the point where it became irresponsible. They were a long way from home. They had no food, they had no water, they didn't care. They just said, what's more important is that we are in the presence of our Saviour. They lingered longer, and that's an intentional act. You will not find time to linger if you leave your schedule sort of full, 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 and then whatever time's left, you squeeze Jesus in. There's this great concept by Stephen Covey where you put the big rocks in first and everything else takes care of itself. Can I encourage you that spending time just waiting on God is a big rock in your life Jesus said it had been three days they had been up the mountain with no food for three days but how many in the scripture do we hear complaining that there was no food instead they focused on his presence presence, and glorified him for the healing that they had received they chose him over their needs. And in return, he met all their needs. We've heard this morning, Pastor Ryan said it. It says in Matthew 6.31, Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I've noticed in my own life that the more time I spend with Jesus the more time I just carve out and say, I'm just going to be with him. Even if I don't feel it, because it's not about feelings. It's about trust. It's about putting our trust in him. And it's about learning just to rest and surrender. But the more time I spend with him, the more of my needs get met. The less time I spend with him, the more I feel like I'm just not where I want to be. If we want to live lives of encounter, we need to be hungry for his presence. We need to humbly surrender We need to learn to linger longer. And point four, we need to throw out plan B. They followed Jesus to a place where they could not return without him supernaturally showing up. Now, we don't know the details, but I can imagine that they were so desperate that they thought, if I go and he doesn't show up, I'm going to die or I'm not going to make it back. But Jesus steps in and he says, I do not want to send them away hungry. This is after healing them all. Or they may collapse on the way. The the English Standard Version says, I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And I am convinced that there are people here this morning, or maybe listening online, and you feel like your obedience to God and your response to the Holy Spirit whispers in your life has placed you in in a position or a predicament where... You're thinking, he has to show up or I'm going to faint. I'm going to fail. Something's going to happen. It's, it's either him or disaster. Can I just encourage you that Jesus has the same response to you as he had to those thousands on the mountain. I am unwilling not to do something miraculous. I am unwilling not to show up. I am unwilling not to feed your hunger. I am unwilling not to demonstrate my love for you. I am unwilling not to reveal my supernatural power and grace. And I just feel like these next 90 days, God's going to challenge us. And when we place ourselves in a position out of obedience, out of a calling, not out of stupidity or just coming up with some random ideas that we think might be fun and seeing if God is with us, out out of doing all the other three things first, out of hungering for his presence, out of surrendering and, 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 and having a prayer life that just says, God, I need you because I can't do this on my, on my own, about lingering longer and, and making time for him. When he calls us, I, I know he will show up. But we have to be okay to throw out plan B. Because if there's always a plan B, we will never get to the point where it's God or nothing. If, if Peter had a, had a plan B, he would not have stepped out on the boat. But he says to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out onto the water. Notice that he asked Jesus to call him. He didn't say, if it's you, let me walk on the water. Give me miraculous feet." He just says, if it's you, call me to yourself. Call me. And it says, Jesus said to him, come. And when he said that, Peter got out on the boat and he walked on the water. Now, can I tell you that there was no plan B for Peter? It was Jesus or drown. There have been times in my life, not enough times, I need to confess, nowhere near enough times. And in prepping this, I'm like, how many times do I put myself in a position after hearing the call of God where I'm like, Holy Spirit, if you don't show up, I'm going to look like an idiot. Or I'm going to fail. Or this is but we need to be there because that's that's the miracle zone right there. You all know the story of when we sent Helene to the grocery store with no money back the year before we came up here. And we just said, God's not going to let us go hungry. It says in his word that he, he will take care of our needs. And, but if we hadn't got to the point of her being at the checkout with the checkout chick going, beep, beep, beep. God wouldn't have showed up maybe he would have but I reckon he wants us there rather than just staying at home saying well we'll just wait for for someone to knock on the door and give us a bag of groceries he wants us to step out he wants us to not have a plan B because it's in that area not only does our faith grow exponentially when we say God it's got to be you because it's not me I am, I'm stepping on the edge here and I'm going to take a step because you've asked me to and, and you know, so much of us want to just step back But not only does our faith grow in that area, in that that moment, not only do we encounter Him like we've never encountered Him, the people around us encounter Him like they've never encountered Him. Because it's it's not just about us. It's about how God wants to position us and use us to make Him known, to glorify Him, to show His power. Peter didn't have a plan B. Just like the 4,000 on the mountain, when we do that when we step out and say I heard from you and I'm going to be obedient to you he is unwilling to fail us you see the truth is in our own strength we can only get so far and maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you're like you know what this is I'm just a bit over cream Christianity beige Christianity last week something happened And I know that I can't just, it's not business as usual. Can I encourage you to position yourself for an ongoing encounter where not only will your faith grow exponentially, where where you will find a a, a new joy in being with Him, in serving Him. like All of your desires will be met. Not only that, but people in and around your world are going to get affected by what's on and in you. We need to learn to position ourselves for a life of encounter. And the way we do that is we hunger for his presence. We surrender humbly. We linger longer. And we trust him enough to throw out plan B. Would you stand up with me this morning? After Jesus telling the disciples he wanted to feed the 4,000, He simply asked them, how many loaves do we have? Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fishes. And after he'd given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And he turned to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. When you follow Jesus to a place where there is no Plan B, when you hunger for His presence, when you say, "God, I can't do this without You," when you surrender your own pride and your own abilities, and say, "I'm just, I'm going to rely on You and Your Holy Spirit," when you linger longer and not leave just because the answer isn't yet, and not leave because you do have the answer and now you're on to the next thing, when you throw out Plan B, you will encounter Him ongoing and he will meet your needs the truth is God has a heart for you to encounter he absolutely wants to reveal himself and he wants the reality of his presence to be known to you not just in a weekend but all day every day he longs to refresh you with it with His nearness and with an intimacy of His love that maybe you're not used to experiencing. We are, we are all created to encounter God and we actually are never satisfied until we continually live in the experience for which we were created. That's why we look for other things. And I just know that these next 90 days are so significant. They are significant for you. They are significant for your family. They are significant for this house. They are actually significant for this city and this nation. Because if all of us take something of last weekend and say, that's great. And that has made me, like that has broken something in me. But then say, I'm going to chase after that for the next 90 days. And beyond. Pastor Chris prophesied that the 90 days would be like pre-season. Before... The game now. I don't know what's going to happen after ninety days, but I know that God has some plans that maybe, you know, are going to blow the top off this thing. But we've got to be ready. We've got to be okay to to to, to walk in encounter, to be courageous enough to speak for the, to the people that He prompts us to speak to. I I've got a confession to make. On Monday, I walked past a girl at the shops with crutches, and I know that God said, "Pray for her," and I said. <laughs> and then I said Lord if I see her again as I leave the shop I will pray for her and of course I saw her again I sat in the car and wept for about 10 minutes because God said pray for her and, 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 and I didn't do what I'm preaching this morning which is to to trust him to say there's no plan B I'm just going to go up to her and say look I'm a Christian and I just felt like God wanted me to pray for you I don't know what your circumstance is but I I, I said to the Lord Next time that happens, there's there's not going to be a plan B. I'm just going to do it. Because that wasn't me. That was not me. There was nothing in me that wanted to go up to that girl and just pray for her. Because, you know, fear of man and fear of failure and all the rest of it. But these next 90 days, you are going to have moments where God says, go and pray for her. Or the Holy Spirit prompts you to just knock on your neighbor's door. Or you're driving past someone at a bus stop and you glimpse at them and they're crying. And, And you say, I should stop and pray for them. Can I encourage you? Throw out plan B's. But plan B's will not be able to be thrown out unless you hunger for His presence. Unless you learn to surrender the things that you think you can do better than anybody else and just say, God, I'm useless without you. I need the power and the presence and the wisdom of your Holy Spirit ongoing because I can't do this without you. When we learn to linger, even if it's hard, even if we're tired, get up an hour earlier, go to bed an hour later and just say, I'm going to just stay here until you show up because your word says when I stay here you will show up and then when we've done that the Lord is going to encourage you and speak to you and the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you and whisper in your ear and we're going to start seeing things that we've not seen before because we're going to throw out plan B and there are thousands and millions of people out there that are relying on us not having a plan B so can I encourage you As I'm encouraging myself, let's position ourselves over these next 90 days and beyond to live a life of encounter. And not just go in the afterglow of a weekend of encounter, which was unbelievable and supernatural. But it's the beginning of something. It's not just the only thing.